Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And I guess tonight's guest absolutely fits the name of our program, From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And if I spent time going through his CV, by the time we got to the end of the program, all he would be able to say to me was, thanks, Louis, and goodbye. Henry Matthews, administrator, coach, umpire, extraordinaire. I don't know what you haven't done in your career. Welcome to From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Thank you so much, Louis. Lovely to chat to you after so many years. Yeah, it's been a very long time. I think uh, let's just put people into perspective where we actually first met was uh, in Bloemfontein, in Springbok Park in those days with the glory days of the Free State Cricket Union um, when you were an administrator there, amongst many other things. But Henry, let's go back and start where it all started for you. Um, the passion for sport and sport administrators eventually come to the fore? Uh, well, Louis, you know, um, I went to Pretoria Boys High School, so I couldn't help but be sports orientated. My academics was very poor. And so I spent most of my time on the, the sports field doing sort of everything possible. And yeah, after a few years, sort of played soccer, a lot of soccer as well as cricket and, and athletics and a few other things. But um, on the soccer field was my big was my big uh, passion. And when I was, ooh, I must have been a, about 21, 22, I actually played for Mamalodi Sundowns and um, was doing fairly well, scored, a, scored two goals in my first uh, match for them. In my third game, to be horrifically fouled <laughs> and tore my ACL and anterior ligaments. And that was the end of my soccer career in one foul swoop. And so obviously from there, um, not being as, as sort of uh, sport as, as readily as, as that. Yeah, I eventually just kind of meandered into uh, administration. And that's where it started. And then obviously, how did the cricket side of things come in? Because I mean, obviously, I know you more from a cricketing point of view than I do from a footballing point of view. Absolutely. So I ended up in the Free State. I went to Bloemfontein as a pastor in the Methodist Church many years ago. And on my off day, um, was asked if I could come and help with the coaching in the townships of Bloemfontein, Rocklands and Bartu in particularly. And uh, I, yeah, I started there. And, and after a year and a half, um, my good friend Arthur Turner approached me and asked me if I would like to come full time. And yeah, I became the first um, cricket development director for cricket. I don't mean to say this in a derogatory manner at all, but for people who've never seen Henry or Arthur Turner, Israel and Hardy, um, you, you, you just, the two of you, as I remember from all those years ago, tell us what it was like going into the townships uh, in, in the 80s. I mean, it couldn't have been easy in apartheid South Africa, especially in those days when cricket really was supposedly this white elitist sport. Yeah, look, it wasn't easy in the beginning, but, you know, I, I found very quickly that the township folk um, absolutely loved you if, if you, particularly as a white person, was prepared to come into the township and to actually do something for them. And so, you know, with Ali Bacha um, heading up the, the, the whole development program, you know, there was a lot of respect for cricket development in those days. And um, and so, you know, the, the more you go into these townships, the more they accept you. They used to see my little free state car coming in. They would rush to meet me. And the rest was history. And, and of course, 
bringing the stars in, you know, guys like Omar Henry, Ansi Crenier, Mickey Arthur, oh, I, you know, they were they were hero worshipped by the, by the boys who who coincidentally were the were the scoreboard workers. So all our cricket boys in the townships came and worked for a little bit of money in the in the scoreboard and got to know all the players. So yeah, eventually we were part of the family. And it wasn't for those people who are, are, are much younger than you and I who don't really know all of the history of, of Free State, particularly Bloemfontein. Um, people of colour weren't very welcome there. I mean, I remember Elvin Kalicharan, and we used to make a joke about the fact that he was the only coloured player, if you like, West Indian, obviously. And then obviously Omar Henry and Franklin Stevenson as we went along who actually were in the free state. It was kind of like spot somebody who wasn't white or Afrikaans in the metropolitan areas of Bloemfontein and Velkom and places like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, free state and, and Arthur in particular was, was, you know, very keen on overseas professionals. So we used to get these youngsters coming out for a year or two, you know, sort of spending the off-season, English off-season in South Africa and playing for for the free state teams but their their main job was to be in the townships so but the aim also for for us and i think our great success in the free state in particular was was getting the, the keen black teacher to to actually get coaching qualifications and and become a coach and so we 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 ended up with quite a good foundation um of coaching um uh, people of color you know so it wasn't as much the whitey coming in and doing his business it was it was a shared opportunity for for the community to actually grow, you know, together, which was, was pretty good. How difficult was it to convince, especially black people living in townships in the free state, to actually learn to coach the sport of cricket? <laughs> it wasn't easy, uh, Louis. Um, in in the sense that you know, those that know Bloemfontein and know the the, the sort of Rocklands area. It's it's the home of Bloemfontein Celtic, you know, Punya Selesele. And so they were absolutely soccer people, if one could call them that. And so, you know, to bring them cricket, we we started with, you know, five or six kids, became ten. And as they saw we were we were serious, and as they saw the possibilities, you know, we formed a club, we formed um areas, uh, we set up structures that that enabled the kids to to actually get out of the township, you know, to come to Springbok Park, as you said, to 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 go to Kroenstadt, to go to various places. Some of them even made provincial teams and travelled out, you know, out to Cape Town, Pretoria, you know, other areas. So there there was an opportunity, and once they saw that, it it encouraged them to get involved. And and yeah, we we've got some really talented cricketers from those days. When I look back at those days. Um... It's remarkable what a Ramblers club sitting on the balcony commentating at square leg for a game of cricket between a provincial team on literally a, a club field. And then, of course, developed into the beautiful Springbok Park, cozy, lovely, wonderful cricket ground, which has an amazing atmosphere. Um, it, it's, it's, when you look back, can you actually think to yourself when you go back all of those years to where we are now, how it all became possible and, and how it developed to what it is. Okay, we're going to get on to what it is today, but two, two or three years ago. Yeah, Louis, you know what? Um, free State cricket kind of, certainly when I arrived there, we were playing at, at the University of the Free State. So we weren't even at the Ramblers yeah. yet. And in fact, okay, the Ramblers was also before that. But you know, with the university field, 
it was a wonderful facility, but of course, you know, you could probably only get about a thousand, maybe two thousand students to come and watch. When it developed into the real sort of, let's say, the future, um, certainly moving to Springbok Park just created so many more opportunities for everybody. And you know, I think we became a family, and I think that was the big thing that guys like like Eva Cronier, you know, um, Steve Stradom, these these were, were were free state administrators that were out there looking to try and sort of show people what, what the free state had to offer. And I mean, we can only look back the next few years after that to see what they did. Yeah, I think you, you make a very pertinent point that I can testify to the fact that I did feel part of a family. I mean, I landed in Bloemfontein by complete coincidence. The the English commentator at the time had, had unfortunately had a heart attack and they never had anybody who could speak English. And they went, okay, well, who's the next dude that can speak English? And they sent me. I mean, I was met by Evie Cronier, taken to his home. As I'm sure you well remember in those days, cricket was Friday, Saturday, nothing on a Sunday, played again on a Monday. Yeah. Um, and two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, the airport closed and didn't open again till Monday. So even if the game did end early by any chance, you couldn't get out there. Um, do you think that was the key? I mean, I guess it was the key to not just the success of the union, but to the success of that team, first with, I guess, in a way, with some of the older uh, statesmen of, of free state cricket, and then obviously Hansi and Eddie Barlow and that wonderful combination of the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think once people realized what the potential was in the free state we were able to attract top coaches. I mean, we had Follis, you know, Johan Folstead was was a wonderful man and a wonderful coach. And then um, he was followed after that by various coaches. But in the end, you know, and Barlow, of course, came along himself. Um, I think to a large extent, as Friso Cricket grew, so we were able to, you know, to pick up, let's call them family members. I mean, Franklin Stevenson comes to mind. Um, Peter Moore's. Uh, was there. I mean, there were so many players who came to add to us to a team that was already pretty, pretty good. I mean, we had, you know, obviously with Evie and, and a board that was progressive, you know, very progressive. Um, Freeset was able to build on that and, and getting Omar Henry in. You know, we already had Alan Donald. We had Corey Fonsale. We had so many sort of young players who just had come through the ranks. And then you added some professionals like Gordon Parsons, who was absolute gold for many years, and, and he's still involved in South African cricket today. You know, just just wonderful people that became when, part of the family. When you look back, was it difficult to get these guys that you speak about, the Gordon Parsons? I mean, okay, Alan Donald grew up there. Omar Henry certainly didn't. Franklin Stevenson came on a West Indian rebel tour. Um, was it difficult to say, come to Bloemfontein, the city of roses? What else was there? <laughs> you know? And I don't say that with disrespect. I love the place. I love going there every week more and more. But, you know, it's not like top of your list in South Africa. Where would you like to go? Bloemfontein. No, not really. And in those days, what played at the Harmony Ground in Virginia, I mean, it was like, are you crazy? <laughs> well, you know what? When I told my friends that I was going to Bloemfontein, they all asked me if I was going to get rid of all my shoes because <laughs> yeah, exactly. they thought I was going to walk around barefoot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, look, look, you know, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer when it comes to Bloemfontein. I, I always laugh and joke uh, with, with folk, you know, and I say Bloemfontein is a place that you will, you will go to, you know, when you first go there, you'll cry. But when you go back, you cry again because you've left, you know. Yeah. 
and it, it, it's such a beautiful place. And I think um, a lot of the professionals, you know, it, when they first came, were kind of expecting, well, we, we're going to get paid. We're going to do a job. It'll be short and sweet and off we go. But <laughs> I think you can see by the number of professionals that actually stayed and came back year after year after year that they were extremely happy. And, you know, Bloemfontein also has another issue where, you know, there's, as I call it, there are a lot of mixed marriages. And uh, obviously in, in the political environment, you think of those as black and white. But in this case, we're talking English and Afrikaans. Yeah. So many Afrikaans families um, sort of became more English, let's call it that. And so the, the liberal sort of ideas um, got into Bloemfontein. And, and Bloom, let me tell you, Bloom is not as conservative as, as people think it is. It's a far more liberal place. And so these cricketers could come there. They could have a really good time. They would, yeah, sure, there'd be the conservative issues, maybe the Sunday, the sport and things like that. But in reality, it became an absolutely fabulous place to play cricket. And I still say this to this day, the most beautiful girls in the whole of South Africa were in Bloemfontein. And I think, Henry, in those days, they're like outnumbered men, like five or six to one or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, amazing place. Let's move on now. Um, so, obviously, Bloemfontein and Free State gave you the grounding to move on to, I can't say bigger and better things, but can I say bigger things, maybe? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, as a, as a Pretoria boy, um, I kind of had a hankering to get back to Pretoria at some stage in my career. And, uh, yeah, the, the opportunity opened up when when Northerns approached me to come and set up the, the structures that I'd, that I'd done in the Free State to come and do the same um, in, in Pretoria. So, yeah, I headed out to Northerns, to the Northern Transvaal, as they were known in those days, the Titans today. And, yeah, I became the, the first uh, cricket development director there as well. And also a magnificent structure that was put together um, at that union and is still in existence today. Now, Louis, you, you know, you coming from Bloom, um, you know, is one thing setting up all these things, but to get there and to find everything in place was just amazing. And the, the good part for me was as my career had progressed, I, I became cricket affairs manager at, at Northerns. And so I was running everything below the first team and had a finger in every pie. So I had to look after you guys, you know, the, the journalists, yeah. the broadcasting. I, I had to take the ice cream to the, to the change room. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was just the most wonderful time. And I still today, when I, when I speak to Jacques Fall, who's now the, the main man there, and, and, and what a wonderful man he is, um, I, I go back to the Titans every now and then and find, find the place to be the most wonderful, wonderful, friendly place. But the, the, the biggest thing for me, um, the Titans at that time, was the fact that they had people who made decisions. Alan Yordan, Elise Lombard, there were folk who actually – you know, they made decisions quickly and were strong, powerful people. And so, yeah, I loved my time there, I have to say. Yeah, you mentioned Elise. I mean, we all, in a brotherly, sisterly way, we all loved her dearly. Um, she was unbelievable in getting that union to where it is today, obviously, and then followed, as you mentioned, with Jacques. Yeah, look, I, I don't think there was a dry eye at Elise's uh, memorial because she was loved, um, but you know what? She she wasn't just loved because she was a, a good person. She was probably the best sports administrator that I certainly had ever met, and I'm sure many felt the same way. Elise had a way about her that it just, yeah, she just grew that that union, and and you know that that's the the most wonderful. 
wonderful tribute that I think anyone can pay to to Elise is to have continued her work. Yeah. And and that's where Jacques Jacques has just done that in leaps and bounds. Have you ever quite amazing. Have you ever thought about the fact that some of the best administrators in South African cricket today all started in what we would in those days call little dorps? You know, Northwest, Free State, even at Natal at the moment. I mean, the, the top administrators came from these areas where, as you've already mentioned, you felt like you were part of a family and they've brought it in to the big city and created another family. Yeah, exactly. You know, you hit the nail on the head there, man. Um, you know, you know, Arthur Turner, you, you know, he came from Kimberley. So, yeah, yeah. Look, look, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's, this is exactly what happened. I mean, Jacques Fall comes from Poch. Well, actually, Clark's store probably originally. But, you know, it, it's, it's just so wonderful that sport gives you this opportunity, you know. Um, you, you, you just got to show that you're keen. You got to show that you have the ability and then do the work. And, and anything's possible in, in sports administration. Let's talk, let's talk about cricket now um, on the field of play. And let's go back to, to what's gone on over the last couple of uh, months with the Free State Cricket Union. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, they're no longer in the, in the top flight. Um, finances are desperate. Um, they sold off the ground. Must make you sad. You know, um, it's really sad. It, it's, it's probably the, the worst thing that can ever happen to anybody that, that lives and works in a, in a sporting environment. And then you leave and you later find that it collapses or, or breaks down. Um, you know, I've, I've always tried to leave some kind of a legacy that can be built on. And like at Northern's, um, the setup that I built there was exactly the same one that, that I did at Free State. And they still use that. And they still, Jock still tells me that they're pretty much using exactly the same system. And what they've done is they've just built on it and improved it. And I think any sports administrator would like. But, you know, I was looking into it this week and just reading some of the stories. And, you know, I'm not sure why it has happened so suddenly at, at the Free State. Um, you know, Johnny is the CEO there and he's a brilliant guy, you know, and he's a hard worker and he's, he's done his best. But, yeah, I don't know. It just seems that the business maybe not as much interested anymore. Maybe, I don't know. It's, it's sad, really sad. Do you think the spin-off is going to affect the the likes of, of Great College? I mean, these are schools that were feeder schools into free state cricket, free state rugby, and obviously to the rest of the country. Um, Great College only behind uh, the, the gymnasium in, in Cape Town with the most number of Springbok rugby players that the school has produced. You think it's going to affect it? <laughs> to be honest, I don't think anything can affect Great College. It's just one of those magic feeder schools. The rugby, I mean, we saw Free State rugby winning the, the cup. I, I think, yeah, look, obviously, it's it, cricket-wise, you know, you're not, you might not get the cricketer who, who, who thinks he's going to make it into, into South African cricket might, might rather prefer to go to the other schools. But, you know, Great College is such a wonderful school and St. Andrews as well. Those are two top cricket schools in, in, in Bloom. But you know what? Feeder schools and school cricket and, and club cricket just seems to, to be dwindling. You know, there just doesn't seem to be the same, um, I don't know, same sort of system that there was in the past where you were kind of destined. You know, you, 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 you were a star at school, you went to club, you went, and then you played in the, in the provincial team. You know, I, I personally think South African cricket needs a complete overhaul and concentration to go back to developing the game at grassroots level 
and then have a system going straight through to the provincial and to the South African side. At the moment, it's a bit of hit and miss, and it's it's pretty sad. And, and money seems to be. I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next question, and then I get blamed for being the controversial dude. Or rather, you get blamed for being controversial <laughs> because you brought up something that is no, that really. I mean, Henry, it, it we have a love for this game, not just you and I. All of us who've been involved in the game in one way and or another over the last 30, 40 years since we came back, even before we came back into international cricket, into international cricket. And it's sad to see the state of cricket. What's the succession plan? We have a black captain. What if he gets injured, for example, or he's already into his early 30s? And what a lovely guy. He was on from the boardroom to the locker room the other day. The Aaron Pankiso's. Where's the succession plan? Where's the next captain coming from? It's sad, especially in our long form of the game. We started, um, Jackie McGlue's daughter and I, we started this well, a Facebook group called Glue to Cricket. And we speak to a lot of the former players um, about this very same issue. You know, at the end of the day, I think for a long time, South African cricket has been more about politics than about actual cricket and the love of the game. Um, unions like the Titans... I see Western Province seem to be getting their, their act together. A um, couple of other guys, I think East Eastern Province, look like they, they've had their, their hassles. Um, those unions are, are, are getting the balance right. But until South African cricket from the top puts in a structure that actually maps out a future for our cricketers. You know, we've got these youngsters that went on the SAA tour. Did very well. I mean, the one kid is batting at number seven. When he's a dynamic player, you know, you luckily the coaches are two boys, Walters and is a Sukri. They've got a game plan, which is great. So I'm kind of really hoping and, and putting money on them that, that they can sort something out. But honestly, our development program of the past is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's almost ignored now. And so to me, it's become such a hit and miss issue that I, I fear, I really fear for South African cricket. Is there money overseas? I've got three boys. All three of my boys are overseas. They're earning, one is earning dollars, other two are earning pounds. You know, it's a strong lure. And I think our top sportsmen, I think that's where they might be going unless we put our house in order. Definitely. Okay, so here's the bumper. How do you fix it? <laughs> sure. I warned you it was well, coming. <laughs> you you, saw, the, you, you saw my fingers around the, uh, the, the, the seam of the ball. You realized that you just hit me for four. Now I'm going to bounce you. So now how do we fix it? Luckily, I've got my I've got my helmet on, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't wear helmets in our day. Don't talk nonsense. Exactly, exactly. No, Louis. Look again. I talk about the the development program, but I honestly think you know we we need to get our club cricket fixed up. That that would be a great start. Um, we need to we need to get our school cricket. Um, you know, it's good in some provinces, but we it's better if, as you say, the Dorpies. We we need to find those stars in 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 the country rural towns. But you know what? One of the things that really kind of hurts me, let's put it that way, is the fact that our former players are ignored in South Africa. You know, Barry Richards, Proctor, Lee Irvin. I mean, so many of these guys that are out there, Eddie Barlow. Barlow was used a little, but the reality is they're ignoring the assistance that these guys can give, the experience that these these guys can give. And I honestly think it's time for us to to have a big powwow, what do you call it, in Darba, as they used to call yeah. it, and get every single cricket-loving administrator, former player, current player, get everybody together around the table and work out what it is we need. But you know what? We need a structure. 
what the structure is, I mean, Jacques Full, when Jacques Full became the acting CEO of South African cricket, I was thrilled to bits. But even he was just, he was up against the wall. He had the politics, he had government getting involved. It's such an involved issue, but it has to start at the basics for me. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so sad because, I mean, a couple of guys that you and I know very well, you take Alan Donald, for example, Gary Kirsten's won a World Cup with India. Uh, <laughs> Mickey Arthur has been hugely successful outside the country. Cliffy Deacons with Pakistan. I mean, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm not even looking at any notes that I've made. And I'm talking about these guys um, that have been so successful in helping other countries. And, yeah. uh, you know, Sean Pollock is a commentator. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, one of the best batsmen the country's ever had. So, uh, John T. Rhodes is fielding coach outside of this country. We've got and have had some of the best cricketers ever. And then on top of all of that, between the likes of India, Australia and England, who have completely dominated the game in terms of money and test matches and whatever, we're not really fighting for our place in world cricket. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, the world cricket seems to be uh, dominated by three countries these days. So we're getting so little five-day tests. We're getting very few series. Yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming sad. And as you say, if we don't use our resources, we lose them. Just as simple as that, you know. <laughs> and it's the saddest yeah. thing in the world to see those boys out there coaching and see the success they get. It's quite crazy. <laughs> so really let's is. end on a positive note. Um, today, not today exactly as in today, but we hopefully will be going forward to a World Cup. Um, been hit and miss. For many, 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 many years. Um, do you think we have the team to do it or we are understrengthed? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I think it's time for South Africa to be daring. I think it's time for South Africa to to pick the youngsters. There obviously are some some pretty solid guys, you know, who've been there for a while. You know, I'd pick the Stubbs, the Brevises. I'd pick them. I'd throw them in. Hansi Kroenier was, I mean, I think he was 19, 20 when he was in Australia. So, be brave. Let's let's start getting brave. And yeah, maybe it's also time for us just to lose this this mentality of quota systems and things like that. Because if we want to win anything, we're going to have to have the best that we possibly have. You know, that'll work whether it's a brown, black, pink, blue, whatever the color, irrespective. Somebody gets a hundred for us in the final of the of the World Cup, we're going to be cheering <laughs> for sure. We can do it. It's so amazing. What you say, because I mean, I guess our kids are relatively the same age. And I remember coming back from cricket tours, and my son was rolling around in the background, diving around, trying to bowl like Makaya and Teeny. And then his mate was diving, thinking he was John T. Rhodes. They had no clue as to what color Makaya bothered them in the slightest. And the youth of today, and I spend a lot of time with the youth of today, they say, Please don't say I'm a black cricketer. My name is whatever. Yeah. That's my name. Don't label me with a color and exactly administrators exactly. need to get that right don't they yeah and you know what the saying of administrators or, or guys who who mostly haven't played cricket at the highest level anyway so <laughs> you know it's so sad imagine having barry reaches as the manager or as a guy who just talked to the boys in the in the change room you know bola was amazing um when he was here you know, Kepler Vessels, yeah. all these guys. There's so many, Louis, that we could just use. But, uh, yeah, look, I think we. what's amazing about South African sport is that despite a political system that is very, very, very unfair in some ways, but also was very necessary in others, unfortunately, when will it end? 
And when it does end, we'll still be world number one or certainly in the top two or three. But it has to end sometime. So <laughs> let's hope so. And this Real podcast soon. has to end, unfortunately, as well. Henry Matthews, absolute pleasure catching up with you, reminiscing on the old days, talking about what's going on at the moment and your honest and fair assessment of what's going on in South Thank Africa. you so much, Lee. Thank you very much for joining us. On from the boardroom to the locker room. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. As always, be nice to each other. Until next time. Bye for now.